Welcome to our Portuguese Table Podcast. I'm Maria Lott and these are Ian Greenbean. And I'm Angela Samoz and we're just two chicks dishing about Portuguese food, culture, and what it means to be Portuguese. So grab a glass of vinho or um copo de café and join us as we talk about our favorite foods, reminisce about growing up Portuguese, and interview some of our community's most successful chefs and food writers. So, so sit, sit down, down at our Portuguese, Portuguese table. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Our Portuguese Table. I'm Angela Samoz and Maria, are you there? I am here. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Very excited about today's uh, interview. Yeah, we have Antelmo Faria from San Jose, California. Hi, Antelmo. How are you? Uh, good. How are you guys? We're oh, doing well. Can't complain, honey. Can't complain. <laughs> so we are. We're super excited. I'm. I'm especially me because you're from you know my my barrio, <laughs> if you will, uh, here in California, and uh, you know you're one of the younger chefs and and uh, restaurateurs that we're going to be interviewing and I think all of your success has been such a great example for the community and um, we just can't wait to share your story because we're super proud of everything that you've That's accomplished right. and and put a bench to you we're so happy for you put a bench is correct well thank you so much I really appreciate it and it's uh, for me it's such an exciting opportunity to get to chat with you guys and, and share my story and and some of my passion and what drives me to do this project with with you guys and your listeners that's awesome yeah so I, I know you have um, you have quite a story and you're gonna be opening up a new restaurant in San Francisco which we cannot wait but why don't you give us a little background on how you got started what what got you interested in food and and how did you start cooking and stuff like that so as a young kid, so I, I was born here in the United States, but when I was a year old, but my parents moved back to the island of Fayal in the Azores. And so I was always surrounded by family and lots of food, and our house was kind of the, the hub where all our cousins and, and aunts and uncles would come over. And so I always remember um, there being food at a young age and me always being interested in it. But as I grew older, my Dad, he always encouraged me to cook, and it was something I took to naturally. Um, so I was always really curious in the kitchen and wanted to get involved and hands-on. So I started from a young age just being really comfortable in the kitchen. And as I grew older, it just really stuck with me, and it was something I was really comfortable with. And it was something that I actually enjoyed, and that was fun. So even as a young child, I remember going with my dad to the market, in, in the island of Fayal and visiting the different stands with different farmers um, coming from Pico, bringing their, um, the island across the, the way and bringing produce and meeting the butchers and the, the fishmongers. That's and, wonderful. That's so awesome. Yes, yeah, so it was always <laughs> I, a very natural process. You know, I'm back in the Azores right now as you're talking. As you're you speaking really? and describing that, I feel that I'm right back there with you. I am. I am in... That's I'm Azorian, you know. I'm I'm from San Miguel, but okay. the so the same. It's it's being there and and being and all of that. So I can absolutely see myself there. Mm. Okay, you you paint a good picture. Until you are you are <laughs> a very good picture. I feel very homesick right now. Mm. So I know that you you worked for Manuel Azevedo at La Salette, but was that your first food gig, or did you work somewhere before? How did that happen? So that was my. 
that was my first quote unquote say my first real cook job out of culinary school uh, where it was kind of more serious cooking so I had decided to go to culinary school at that point and and really found La Salette. I almost went to Portugal to do my externship and and to cook but then I found La Salette and what was really exciting about Chef Manuela's vids food was that he was marrying Portuguese food with the kind of a um, a wine country or kind of a Northern California sensibility. Right. But yeah, so that was my first like real official post school cooking job. But I had worked in restaurants before then, mostly in a in a front of the house capacity. I had been a server and a manager, um, but also had filled in little roles here and there helping in the kitchen so I was already familiar with the restaurants and being comfortable being in that setting but that was that was my first real cooking job wow. that's awesome and how long and how long were you there so I was at La Salette for three years okay, okay. yeah I remember you being there Maria you were trying to say something I keep no I, I, no 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 that's okay <laughs> I just I'm going back to Fayal and I know we're going all over the place here but how long how old were you when you came over finally came over from Fayal so when I when I came back to live I was um I was 12 12 years old at the time okay. when when I made the, the move back to the United States so your family came from Fayal to California back to Fayal and then back to California, correct? Yeah. So both my parents are are immigrants, and my dad and in my dad's side of the family, they they came from Fayal, and my mom's side of the family, they came from Saint George, and oh, my parents nice. met here. And well, isn't that uh, something? Yeah. So oh, my nice. parents met here. They got married, had me, and then when <laughs> I was a year old, they decided they wanted to go back and and raise their family in in Fayal in the Azores. Right. Now, is do you still have a lot of family and do you go back to Fayal and to Saint-Georges? Yeah. So actually, so my um, my parents actually split and my dad ended up staying in Fayal. So uh, my mom came back here and that's, you know, eventually um, I came I came back to live or I came to the United States to live with my mom and, and my brothers. But my dad was in Fayal. So, um, you know, we'd, I'd go back in the summers, my brothers and I, and, and spend the, the summer there. But other than that, yeah, I have cousins and aunts and uncles and some of the family, you know, in, in terms of my aunts and uncles have passed away now. But there's still a really strong connection there and always, you know, people in a, in a, to visit and a reason to visit when I go back. Mm. Now, and, and again, back to the cooking here. So your first food memory let's say the very first food memory you have what is it where are you um my first food memory it's you know that's really really tough but i i remember so many i just remember being enthusiastic about food more than one specific memory just as a child so right. my my mom always tells the story so um my my dad he was really interesting and one of one of the things he um one of the businesses he had in in uh, Fayal was he owned a discoteca or or you know a nightclub for <laughs> right. for a couple years and so when i was when i was about the age of um 5 i had a birthday party and i told my mom that i wanted to plan the menu 
So, oh, I, <laughs> oh my gosh! At, at five years old, I I planned the menu and I had all my favorite things on there, and I hand selected the guests. And oh, um, my goodness, that's, <laughs> and, and, that's amazing! I love it. I and, love. And the menu was like shishash and hamburgers, and I forget what else, but it was it was all over the shisha. place. But there I was definitely shisha. a lot of uh, good Portuguese flavors in there. Wow, that's I very love. telling. You were destined to become uh, in the food business and in command. Yeah, to be, to be leader. Absolutely, that started early on. Well, I, I think that it. I think that's an Aries trait. I'm an Aries, and I've always been kind of stubborn and wanting to be in charge of the pack. No, I think it's even more than that, honey. It's being. <laughs> It's in our DNA. It's we a good combo. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's a good combo, but it's in our DNA. We we are definitely leaders. <laughs> we are definitely. We can, other people call it stubborn. I don't. I I don't do that. <laughs> We're just very strong-willed. Well, strong. I guess you'd have to be stubborn and have a sense of leadership to get on a tiny boat and go across the ocean and find you new are, places. You are so correct. You know we. One of the things that, you know, Angela and I always talk about and, you know, and this is the whole thing about having this podcast is to kind of like, you know, this is who we are. This is this is who we are as a Portuguese people. And it took guts. It took guts for and it has to be a very it's a specific person who picks up their family and moves them to a whole different country. And uh, it's that discoverers in that's in us it's it, it has to be it's a certain special breed of people so you know it's it's we are we're very strong-willed we're very strong-willed and we're also very proud of who we are yeah well and yeah. you see it even in the professions when when people immigrated over here whether they were a blue collar or a white collar a lot of people started their own businesses right that's right so um you have that, that leadership and entrepreneurship is like you said it's in our dna yeah yeah, it's it, it's kind of that fear of going out and exploring the unknown and, and, and knowing that you have an idea and, and sticking to your guns and, and following it through. Mm -hmm. yes. So yeah. beyond your first food memory, do you remember the first dish you ever cooked, Portuguese dish? Um, Portuguese dish. You know, so my I remember the first thing I ever cooked was, was pancakes. That was the first thing that <laughs> um, I was – it was kind of like – my dad would put a little chair at the at the stove and I would, you know, stand up on the chair and would, you know, pour the batter in the pan and flip it over. Um, but then as I got a little bit older, I was allowed to start working the barbecue and um, he taught me how to make his his burgers, which to this day, I, nice. I still I still, you know, when I make them, you know, for barbecue or if I'm barbecue, I make them the same way. And so that was a young age. But I really remember the first time that I really felt that people took notice of something I cooked was when I actually I had um, I had come back, you know, I was living in the United States and I was 12, maybe about thir just close to 13. And my mom had a potluck. Um, for s some co-workers, and I made calamari from scratch. Um, what? <laughs> so oh I was, you know, I had, so my dad, when I was in, in Portugal, I spent a year there with him, and he opened a restaurant called Adega Santa. So I spent a year with him 
my mom came back to the United States and she, my brothers were with her, but I stayed for one year before I came back with my dad. During that year, my dad opened this restaurant called Adega Santa. So I spent time working in the restaurant and helping around. So I got exposed to people cooking in the kitchen mm -hmm. and, and I felt more and more comfortable. But yeah, I remember being 12 and having this potluck and, and I asked my mom if I could make a dish and, you know, I bought squid and fresh squid and I cleaned it and I breaded it and I, you know, I fried it and everything myself. And I remember people literally being like super impressed and being like, your son, your 12 year old son made this. And I think at that time it just, I, I've, I, you know, I just have a personality. Like I do enjoy, I guess I have a healthy ego and I do enjoy that kind of immediate gratification of a job the well accolades. done. Yeah, and, sure. and, and, and people like in the moment being like, Oh my God, this is so good. We enjoy this. I, I played music for five years after high school and in my previous life before cooking. And it's kind of the same idea where it's as soon as you put your product out there, um, you know, whether it be at food or you're playing a song for somebody, the, the response, the, is immediate so that gratification of a of a job well done or people responding to what you're doing in a positive manner is there right away and i always really enjoyed that but yeah that was like the first moment where i was like man like making food is so cool <laughs> now i keep hearing you talk about your dad so it was your dad who influenced your cooking um actually it was a lot of people so early on i just i i was kind of you know his little buddy his little right hand man so i, I yeah. spent i spent a lot of time with him and he did influence my cooking a lot he was um he really enjoyed food a lot he, he was not a chef but he was one of the most talented cooks that that i still to this day remember and he just loved all kinds of food and, and, and different types of food and different spices and, and and he also enjoyed a connection to a lot of the people that provided the food. So he was friends and, and knew personally the fishermen and, and the different butchers and, and the farmers that were but, coming into the market. You know what? You just described and I know at the time you would say, well he never had the, the culinary training, but he was a chef. And because it, even now, well, you know, great gonna, chefs need to but, know the butcher, well, the fishmonger. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interject because just because that, that term chef gets thrown around um, kind of loosely nowadays and, and, you know, somebody throws a great dinner party at home and they go, oh, I'm such a, I'm such a good chef, you know, yeah. at, the, at, the, at the end of the day, look, we're just all cooks, you know, the, yes. only, thing, the only thing that makes you a chef is a chef is basically you're the manager of the kitchen. You're the boss of the kitchen. You're also, you know, for the most part, you're doing the creative side of the food, but the difference between a cook and a chef is really just you're the administrator and that's, yep. that's, that's really, you're the kitchen boss. So I think the term chef, you know, really kind of gets thrown around here and there, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it's just, it's about being a really good cook and enjoying cooking and having a connection to what you cook. Now, have you ever read Julia Child's book? Which one? Uh, the first one, if I'm not mistaken, because that is exactly what she says. The, <laughs> word for word. 
<laughs> that is that is exactly her her thing to everyone on and she would she said the same exact thing you it, it was it, it was pretty much word for word spot yeah. on so going back to your question yeah my dad was probably the biggest influence on me early on but so many people in my family my grandfather um he he came from the north of portugal and and he um has kind of a, his own interesting story, but he ended up, he didn't necessarily have a lot of family, ended up in the army at a young age, as so many men in, in Portugal mm -hmm. did. So he joined, I believe he was 17, but wow. he ended up, he ended up stationed in, in Fayal where he met my grandmother and he, they ended up staying there before they come came to the United States in in the 60s but um he was a tremendous cook he he was actually you know just a, every bit as talented as as my dad was and i think that's where where my dad got that kind of that sense of really being enthusiastic about food but he brought something different to the table because he was so you know when i talk to a lot of people nowadays about portuguese food i always have this discussion where people you know they have a tendency to think, oh, well, this is Portuguese or this is not Portuguese. And I go, a lot of times, I often find that they're talking about Azorian food. I go, well, when I, when you say that, do you mean that this is not Azorian or not typical of Azorian cuisine? Because mm -hmm. that's a lot different than Portuguese cuisine. Yes, so it my, is. So my, my grandfather, he really, he was from Famalicão in, in north, in just north of Porto. So his food the way he saw it and dishes he enjoyed there was a lot of even variation on those from from just typical Azorian cuisine which I think most people kind of in here in the United States especially in the Bay in the Bay Area the, the Portuguese that are here I know in in Canada and the East Coast there's a few more people from um, the mainland or continental Portugal but I think most of the concentration here in the in California were were from the Azores so but my it was my dad it was my grand my grandfather my grandmother was a great cook and she always you know was came from a large family and it was always a lot of food and sharing food and then i had people like my my godfather tony lorenz in in half moon bay um he to this day he cooks the the big the big feeds for the hall over there. He does the roast beef for the festa. He does all the crab dinners, all wow. the fish, all the fish fries and the mussels. And there was times that you know I'd go spend time with him in Half Moon Bay. I have my my cousin Gary who's who's a couple years older than me, and I would I would go over there. I would actually take the train to. San Mateo and then the bus to Half Moon Bay. My grandma, my, my mom's mom thought my mom was crazy for letting me do that when I was like thir <laughs> 13. But my, my mom was like, no, Tomo's always been this kind of, you know, traveler spirit. And I just let him do his thing. And she was, she had a lot of trust in me. But wow. Um, but wow. Um, that so is I, a lot of trust. I would go spend time with with my with my cousin and my godfather, and he, you know, he cooked a lot and was fantastic. And he was the type of person he cans his own tuna and grows favas and uses them fresh and then dries the other ones. And we we he had me and my cousin Gary, you know, rototillering land and planting potatoes. So that was I like that well, was like such a connection to. To our the food. source of food yes. and, and, and this very kind of like old world style of like providing your own. So That's I've been I've been so fortunate to encounter encounter people in my life who really 
it wasn't it wasn't for the glamour of food or what food represented. And I think food nowadays has a, a different kind of a different um, a, a idea or attachment to it, and it's become glamorized. But really, it was for them. It was it was really a way to bring family together and bring friends together and Absolutely. have people have a good time and enjoy it. it was like if you make good food you put wine on the table you invite everybody over <laughs> for formula for success exactly. to, this, exactly. to this day to this day i really think that's how a restaurant should operate it should be like make people feel welcome invite them yeah. in make good food you know and and put some wine on the table and people will have a good time um yeah. and that's and so and so going back, back again, because I know I'm very Portuguese about this. I'm going to go all over the place. That's and... <laughs> okay. We're the same way. We're the same way, honey. But my, my dad would be the biggest influence because he really always had this, to a point, exaggerated belief in, in me and my abilities and his confidence in me. And, and like I said, it, by the time I was 12, I felt very comfortable with every aspect of the kitchen but then these other people just in in my life that um my my prima maria jujan fayal she's like incredible cook her food's delicious we she's the type of person you'd go she, you know when you go back there to visit she would invite you over for lunch on a sunday you at one o'clock and you would get there and it'd be f for three or four people and she'd have you know two things and three cakes and <laughs> and she'd make bacalhau natas and and frango asado no forno and all these and you're like yes. who what army is showing up to eat this yeah. <laughs> and she is and it's so... your typical thing yeah yeah, yeah and so if was... there was a uh, chopped for kids on the on tv when you were 12 i think you definitely would have been a good candidate uh, you know yeah i think i think a master chef junior or yeah chopped, I, I th absolutely I think, yeah I don't know when this when when this um, podcast is airing, and I, I can't really um, say a whole lot. But I, if people were to tune into the Food Network on May third and watch Chopped, um, I think they'd have a lot of fun and be surprised at um, who they might see on there. Really? Okay. So this this will likely air in late August, but oh, well, we will no, we can put the word out there. Around. Well, we we could no, no, no it's <laughs> okay. It around. People, it'll 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 just watch the reruns. <laughs> <laughs> right there, you go. So, Telmo, I know you were we're on a time limit, and I want to be respectful of your time. And we can't at, have this no, podcast no, we, in, yeah, until we, we talk about your restaurant, Umakaza. Yeah. So, uh, tell us a little bit about how that came about. You know, why did you? Like, how did you choose the recipes? How did you choose the name? What can people expect? Oh, tell well, us about you're assuming I have recipes. Um, <laughs> oh, I know you do. They might be in your head, but I know you've got something brewing. Uh, you know, that's why that's why I love cooking versus baking. I, I would be the worst baker in the world because you have to follow directions so precisely, and I and I mm -hmm. tend to get distracted sometimes and want to kind of um, freestyle a little bit. But no, umakaza is really a product of just like everything that I've been sharing with you guys about how big of a of role foods played in my life and, and connections that I had to certain people in my life and just the way I it, it just the way it's always been something that I gravitated towards so um, when I went to culinary school uh, when I decided to go it was really with the intention of like one day I want to have my own restaurant and I want it to be a Portuguese restaurant okay but I always knew 
that I wanted it to be different, that I didn't want to just mm-hmm. do, you know, super home style, traditional Portuguese food. I always saw, you know, at the time I was, I was, I was younger, but, but even before, about 10 years before I decided to go to culinary school, I would watch, um, you know, Mario Vitale on the Food Network and Emerald and, and they already kind of did things in a little bit more modern light and the mm-hmm. way Mario Batali was moving Italian food forward and, and giving little twists and, and presentation and plating. I always had this idea of I want to do Portuguese food, but my, my own way. So I went to culinary school. That's why I ended up at La Salette. Had an amazing opportunity to work with Chef Manuel Azved at La Salette for for three years and then just felt like I needed to, you know, move on and explore different things in, in cooking. And also I was living in Sonoma and wanted to, um, to see different areas. So long story short, ended up kind of just randomly, my first executive chef job was of a Mexican restaurant called Tropi Sueño in, in San Francisco because like when I came back from Portugal, I grew up um, basically, you know, essentially almost on the east side of San Jose, kind of in that little Portugal area, which which is also close to a lot of Hispanic neighborhoods. So you know, I, I became, I, I learned to speak Spanish and we had neighbors that cooked all the time and I became enthralled and just kind of, it became like my second love of, of cuisine and food because it was such a dynamic cuisine and flavors. So I went and that led one thing to another and I ended up being um, executive chef of this little restaurant called Tacolicious. Um, and Which is that, just by the way. And and that really like took off and and opened up so many doors for me and provided tremendous opportunity. Joe Hargrave, who's the owner and, and, and now is just, I mean, beyond a working relationship, he's just one of my best friends in the world. He really introduced me to a lot of people and a lot of really good philosophies that I subscribe to in terms of, of, of this industry and, and how to be successful and how to, do what you do and have ego and create and be an artist, but also how to listen to customers and their needs and, and to do something that is also what people want because there's a a couple. So at this point, you know, my two biggest mentors and influences in in this industry are my first chef mentor ever, Manuel Esved, and then Joe Hargrave, who's more of the manager operator restaurateur type, but they kind of, in their own ways, shared a lot of similar ideas. But Manny was always like, you know, you have to treat it as a business and, and be profitable. So don't be the best chef ever to go broke. Mm. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> because awesome. you, you can cook as well as you want or do whatever you want. If you don't run a successful business or your kitchen as a business, you will not have a venue to showcase your talents. Okay. So there was that. And and then Joe, same thing. It was just about giving people something they want, excited, inventive, but have it, you know, be comfortable and great service and value and all the things that make people want to come back over and over. So long story short, it's about, you know, what to so it's about ten years in at this point, and I've just had a lot of experience, had opened five different restaurants with the Tacolicious group, and I just felt like I was at that age, that time that um kind of came back, keep kept coming back in my head to that original place of why I got into cooking, why I went to culinary school, why I had gone, you know, work the hours that I did and sacrifice the time with friends and family that I did and all these things. And, you know, it, it, it was 
kind of my heartstrings were tugging at me to like say, hey, Telmo, like you need to do this thing that you've always had this vision for and this passion and this project um, to do a Portuguese restaurant. So I um, I left Tacolicious, not not left Tacolicious like completely because to this day there's there's still a great relationship there and I have a kind of a chef ambassador role and so many tie-ins with that company it's a great company that I love but I needed to move on from the executive chef role of overseeing um, you know at the time was like almost 30 managers and 300 wow. employees to really be able to focus on opening Umakaza which is my Portuguese restaurant that I'm going to be opening in San Francisco um, so it's kind of really just a culmination of, of this journey and not just my journey as a cook um, and then as a chef, but really just my journey as a human being, because I feel like the story has so much more to do than just to do with just than just food. It's really an expression of my my life and my story, uh, who I am as a person. That's uh, yeah, I can't wait so, to, to try it. So, so yes. So I, I guess I, I didn't finish explaining the, the, the rest, but so Umakaza, um, Portuguese food. I'm, I'm, I've worked as a chef in for eight years in San Francisco now and greatly influenced by the city and its chefs and markets and vendors and all. It's, a, it's such an amazing food city, probably one of the top three in the world, in my opinion, arguably. And, and now I have an opportunity to do Portuguese food for San Francisco in San Francisco, but also for the entire Portuguese community um, in California. And, and when people come visit from all over the world, I hope that they'll get the, the chance to stop in San Francisco and try what I'm doing because it's really rooted in Portuguese history and, and my personal story and, and my connection to, to Portugal and the Azores and, and but it's also got this kind of um, it's got this San Francisco sensibility to it so a lot of focus on 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 the sourcing of the ingredients and mm -hmm. and the sustainability behind it and the connection to um, the vendors and and using things that are in season and making some of the dishes a little bit lighter and more vegetables Which is and, your your real true Portuguese cooking and that is what it uh, is yes yeah that's what it so, is so I'm gonna jump back because we've been doing this all day so I hope I hope the, I hope the listeners are following at this point because I've I've known I've been known to be a little long-winded. Well, uh, you know, it, you have just been saying. I mean, a Angela and I, for the questions we wanted to ask you, you were answering it for us without us and asking. With, yeah. Yes, which is great. <laughs> and for the listeners, when they listen to this, I know I am so excited about it. I'm so proud of you. Mm. I'm proud that you are uh, representing the Portuguese in the way that you are. And that's a beautiful thing. We're very proud of you. And I can't wait to visit. And yeah, uh, you, you I, really, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. And to have and to be there at your restaurant, I cannot wait to be because <laughs> I just now want to have something. I I definitely I feel like I want to cook with you. God darn it! I you know it's like oh my god I can't wait I cannot wait. Well, we, I mean we could we can make that happen. I mean <laughs> we I, could. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I I love I love cooking and cooking with other people. And yeah, I, and you know what's funny is you know I, my whole family is from San Miguel. You know we're now going back centuries, centuries. We've always been in San Miguel, and the only other part of the island or any other island that I have is Santa Maria, which come to find out it was like my grandmother's like you know grandparents came from there. So we're talking centuries ago. Yeah. But I've never every time I go I just visit. St. Michael. And my, the, you know, what I do and what I cook is all about St. Michael because that's mm -hmm. all I know and all I, I have around me. And I've always wanted to go to Fayal and I will be. That's one of my next things is, is going to the different islands because even though we're Azorian, we all have our own little specialties in each of the island. So, and around here where I live in New England, the majority of the people around me are either from the continent or from San Miguel. So it's not like I can really enjoy the different tastes of Fayal. So I know if I go into your restaurant, you're going to showcase that. Well, it, it, absolutely. There's that. But also my, my larger goal and what I'd really like to do with the restaurant too is um, in addition to just – the Azores or specific islands, Fayal or Peak or the Azores and mm -hmm. um, in Portugal and even Madeira. I'd like – I real my goal is to go outside of that and expand on that story and w through my food, help tell the, por the, the story of Portuguese throughout history mm -hmm. and, inclu and include – from the Portuguese diaspora and really ex explore flavors of Macanese cuisine. And, Absolutely. And, 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 and That'll Goa, be first, I think. And, and from and, Goa. And Goa. And, yes. and from, from North Africa, from Mozambique, because if you – to understand about Portuguese food, it was really – I always tell people it's kind of the first kind of fusion cuisine because oh, – I've the, said this all the time. Yeah. Because, because, <laughs> the, because the Portuguese were – um, really, the first ones to really start bringing Absolutely. in to Europe these different exotic spices and ingredients, and as a result, the Portuguese took ingredients from some of those regions. To you were talking about citrus and rice, and yeah. and they they all became part of this these travels and and during the, the colonization process of the Portuguese taking ingredients to certain places like yes. taking hot peppers to India and bringing back spices such as, you know, cinnamon, cinnamon. And, and, mm. and clove and, yeah, and some yeah. of the ingredients that are still very common used in Portuguese cuisine. So I, my, my goal beyond just doing, you know, Azorean food or, or is, is really, t I want to do Portuguese food and not set a limit on or, a definition of what Portuguese food is because it's so broad and there's yeah. so many opportunities to explore different flavors and, and techniques and really help tell the story of, of the Portuguese history through food. Yes, that's beautiful. Beautifully said, honey. So I when, can't wait to meet you. When is Umakaza opening? Tell me. So Umakaza is, um, it's getting closer and closer. Um, you know, there's been parts times in this process where I really felt like I was out on an island by myself, pun intended. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, to 
in kind of this day and age to, to have an ambitious project of, of this nature in San Francisco, it's just, um, just from a, even from a, a financial standpoint, it's um, huge, yeah. re- requires a lot of, a lot of work and networking with people. And I absolutely can't do it by myself. And I, I have a fantastic group of, of, of investors that are backing me and, and still, you know, looking to get more to, to, to fund the project completely, but I'm at the point where, you know, the, the lights at the end of the tunnel and, and it's going to happen. And I hope to be open at some point in August of this year, 2016. Oh, beautiful. That'll be perfect timing then for this podcast. If we publish then. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that'd be great. See, um, we so- keep talking about going, uh, for me going out there. I have, um, I just, there's a lot of, there are, as we know, there's a lot of Portuguese out there, especially in the San Francisco area. And I've been asked to go out there a couple of times and I just haven't decided on what's the best time to go. But now I know I have to wait till, um, till after August. Maybe yeah. it will be this fall that I'll be out there. Yeah. Fall, fall's great too, especially it's, it's, um, it's a good time of year here in San Francisco. It's always, uh, our, our summers are in October. It's, it's like one of the warmest periods, but I mean, you know, to be honest, I've been so fortunate to be in, in um, really to live in an area and immersed in, in such a strong culture. And, you know, there's always been Portuguese food from when I, from when I was a kid growing up too, you know, and at the time, because it, it during those years we were in Portugal, I was actually back for like a year or two. It's, it's very complicated, but um, I pretty much spent, you know, my whole childhood from one till 12 in Fayal, but there's little moments where I was back here in the States. And I always remember places like Tamar and Picapau. And uh, I, don't, I don't quite remember little Portugal and downtown because I never went there myself, but my parents went. And so it's always been... Um, but I played on, on a soccer team for PAC, which was coached by Harold Vieta, who at the time owned Trade Right. So I remember Trade Right Market forever, and, and they were always selling Portuguese products. And so the, the community has always held this kind of um, – held up these traditions and, and provided places where people could still eat the food. Oh, I'm, and Sousa's, I mean, I, I mean, I'm like blanked on that, but Sousa's, Sousa Sousa was I, I, I just like a – so much like represented Portuguese culture and always provided this this place for people to try the food. And now we're very very fortunate. La Salette's been around for for well over a decade now, and, and Chef Manuel has done great work there. Um, Luis Lorenz at Bacalao Grill in mm-hmm. San Jose. He you know he kind of took that and and made it a, a place where the community could go back to when at during a time where it, it was kind of going away. And and such a good job there. And, all the you know all the different bands and clubs they all have kitchens and they cook great food and they share it with people and, and now Adega just opened in San Jose as well mm-hmm. and um, and Chef David over there um, is doing a great job and the Cajetas they've done an amazing job with that place so it's really you know sometimes people ask me I think there's a little there's a little part of our our culture. Uh, which I, I still think is pretty true, and I, a lot of, I guess, immigrant cultures. But there's the the oh, it's like mshirikad. <laughs> oh, mshirikad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you, if you know what that is, you know, I've always, I do. You know, I've had people like go, oh, like what do you, 
you know, how do you feel about a Dega opening in this? And I feel like they wanted me to be like, oh, I'm nope. going to be this or I'm going to be that. And mm. I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm, I'm so excited because the more people there are doing it. And, and I think we're so different in so many ways, all these different places that I've named yep. from La Salette to Adega to Bacalao Grill to, um, you know, they're so different and, and because they each have their own story mm. and history and, and people cooking the food that have a different point of view. But I think at the end of the day, it's so good to, to get more exposure for, <laughs> That's for, for our community and culture because at the end of the day, here's what I tell people. You know, I think food, especially in the United States, is the biggest kind of foot in the door for people to explore cultures. So I've personally never been to Vietnam or Thailand, but I've I've my first introductions to those cultures were via the food. And and I think the more we can do that with Portuguese food, it helps open the door for people to pique their interest in Portuguese culture beyond just the food after they're comfortable with it. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is you're saying all this and Angela, Angela and I have had these conversations on our podcast before, and that is we feel the same exact way as you do. Yeah. And that is the more the merrier, the more that people, uh, I want us to succeed. I want every Portuguese restaurant to succeed. And I, you know how someone was saying to you, Mishkate, for you too, to find out about others. I have that same question about other Portuguese cookbook authors. And I feel the same way as you. And that is the more, the better. I want more people to know about our food out there. We're like the most well-kept secret. We're the <laughs> oldest culinary we are the oldest among the food and what we do and how long we've done it, but we're so well kept secret. It is just like, it needs to get out there and it has to go. I mean, once people realize who we are and what we do, no, we're not Spanish food. No, we're not Italian food. No, we're not. But we have influences that come from so much that our food is amazing. And we've always been very shy about it. I think that's what it is. We've been very like, we're going to just assimilate to wherever we are. We have our pockets, but we're going to stay quiet. And I think the next generation of us coming aboard are like, hell no. We're yeah. going to be telling everybody who we are. And I love that. I love it, love it, love it, love it. Yeah, I mean, even it. even for me personally, uh, and, and just to open a restaurant in San Francisco, it's an amazing opportunity even just to do something that is not offered in a in a huge city. Now, there's no Portuguese food, so it's it's very cool and niche. But yeah, like even George Minge in New York, I've I've been to all day. I've been to Lupulu. He, he's, um, he does, does a great job. He does a great job, and he has his own vision, his own yep. way. He does things. Even he's when I was sweetheart. when I was younger and and just a cook at the time, but I traveled to Toronto, and I remember Adega in Toronto being you know um such such a kind of do, known as doing portuguese food really well so i've traveled there and you know if there's you know i try to eat as many portuguese restaurants in the united states as i can there's actually i found a little spot recently in jersey city called broa b-r-o-a um, and it's, tiny, oh, it's, all, okay. it's in Jersey City. It's just on the other side of, of Manhattan, like when you take the path. Yes, from, yes, yes, yes. So I know exactly. It, and he used to cook in, in, um, 
in Newark, but now he opened this little spot and I went there and met the chef and he's such a cool guy and he's built like such a, a little, and it's a very like a little Tashka. But my whole point being is that, yeah, the more the merrier, bring it on because yeah. the more, the more people do Portuguese food and tell their story, the more people are going to be comfortable with it or exposed to it. And it just creates a bigger demand. So I, I'm very excited for the future of Portuguese cuisine in, in North America, in the United States and Canada. Um, nice. You know, the Portuguese chefs in Portugal, José Village and kind of his contemporaries are taking Portuguese food in such a cool direction. And so it, it's just a, a very exciting time for Portuguese food. I'm really yes. – I feel honored and privileged to, to be a part of that. Uh, Portuguese wines and Portugal itself is kind of coming onto the global map, yeah. onto the global yeah, radar. Another – Another well-kept secret. Yeah, there have so, been a lot, a lot more articles about Portuguese wine and Portuguese food in mainstream publications. So it's awesome to see the the awareness getting out there. And and yeah. there's so many written by non-Portuguese people, which is awesome, yes. right? So, and you know the thing, Mentelmo, that you you were mentioning all the different restaurants, the or the three that you mentioned here in in the Bay Area. What I love too is that all the food on all the menus, they're all different, right? So Absolutely. it's not like there's bacalhau gourmet on every single one or jana <laughs> on every single one. It's all different. It's all a different style, which is, you know, back to the to the um, point that you both were making about that it's different. It's the first fusion. It's, you know, there's so many different ways to make the same dish that we've talked right. about in the past. And um, and I just want to do, do one more shout out to – we have to give a shout out to Grub Steak in San Francisco. Yeah, Grub Steak. They've I, I, held the torch. They've held the torch in San Francisco for a long time, even though so, they're not a Portuguese restaurant. And, and we are actually maybe in danger of losing them. But um, And then we also have St. George Cafe, which has you know some sandwiches and desserts and stuff. Oh, but, no. Uh, St. George, um, George Cafe is great. I've been there definitely like when I'm craving a tosta mista and a galah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like, uh, like Andrea, Andrea is so, so nice and she's been to some of my pop-ups. And this is the thing and this is what people don't understand about – the, the support that's out there, the the Cajetas, they've they've been to my pop-ups and supported me in my endeavor. I've done a pop-up at Bacalao Grill and cooked with Luis and had his mm -hmm. support in my in in what I'm doing in my project. Andrea, you know, and some of my early pop-ups, she she came and showed her support. Manuel's been to you know when I was cooking at other restaurants and you know he's come in and eaten my food at different places and always supported me and what I do. So I. Think think you know what people don't realize is that i i think we're or actually and I, he actually just opened a new place called tashka tashka which mm -hmm. i stopped i stopped by the other day in sonoma and it's fantastic because it's all these little plates and and it's really like the tashka style of eating which i love so but all these people are are passionate and they're doing their own thing and like you said it's all different from grub steak which i've definitely had called Verde at three in the morning. <laughs> yep. You know, sometimes at three in the morning, you've had uh, un copa mais and, and, you need, <laughs> and you need uh called Verde. And, and, you know, and a grub steak was that safe haven for me. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, so all the all these places of like 
play you know i respect everybody so much for you know risking it and 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 giving it a shot and doing what they're doing um i think i have a very unique place in that as well and i think i offer a different perspective i think i offer a very contemporary modern san francisco bay area approach because like i said i've been surrounded by amazing chefs and influenced by some of the chefs that i know that i'm fortunate enough to know personally from some of the best restaurants and not just san francisco but in the country and in the world and their influence on me helps kind of shape and guide the way my vision for portuguese food is so i guess at the end of the day is this project is so personal for me i'm so excited to share it with the community, but even as much or even more excited to share it with people outside of the community because I want mm -hmm. to introduce them to what I am so passionate about and I love so much, and that's Portugal, the Azores, Portuguese people, Portuguese culture, and Portuguese food. Love it. What a great I way. I what can't a great yeah, I can't think of a better way to, to, to end the interview on. I mean, we could keep going if you want. Oh. I know you have somewhere to go, but that was... I, I, I didn't, I didn't like, request a late checkout today, so... <laughs> <laughs> this was a wonderful interview. Thank you so much for doing this for us. This no, thank, thank, thank you for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. And um, it's such a pleasure to, to, to hear your voice and to meet you. Um, I've definitely, you know, I, I'm definitely familiar with your work. And, and Angela, you know, thank you for thinking of me and providing me the opportunity to come on here with you guys. Of course. Um, and, and, you know, you yourself have, have, have done so much for, for the community and, and keeping the 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 Portuguese community and culture moving forward here. So I, I thank you for your efforts and everything you've done. And and I think the point with whether it's it's writing a book or or doing this podcast or me cooking Portuguese food or you being involved with the Dia de Portugal, it, it's really about just people being passionate, but also. Mm -hmm being like it, it's it's okay now to share our culture i think for so many years people felt like you had to assimilate right that was like the right. immigrant thing like that is like to assimilate and to and let's become let's not stick out the thumb that sticks out let's assimilate and become part of of american culture and i think that's why you had like a strong sense of community within the communities but outside of that i think there's much to be desired in the way of sharing it with mainstream uh, america um to say so I i'm really excited that as we move forward in 2016 and we have first generation second third even fourth generation people going out there and and um sharing their pride in portuguese culture with the rest of the world is is really amazing love it couldn't agree thank more. you Thank, thank you, you so much, Antelmo. All right. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. And enjoy the rest of your day. And Yeah. And, and I can't uh, wait to meet you. I cannot wait to meet you. And well, I cannot you're, wait. You're going to have to you're going to have to come out here in, in the fall. And and uh, and maybe when if the restaurant's open, I, I'd love to have you. We'll do a special dinner where you, we can cook together and and make that it open to the make it open to the public and and have a fun day exploring uh, Azorian food together. That would be wonderful. I can't wait, honey. Awesome. Thanks so much, Tom. Have a safe trip home. Bye, ladies. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Até logo. Até logo. Até, Até próxima.
<risos> se Deus quiser. Se Deus quiser, <risos> sim, senhor. Vai com Deus. Vai. Vai com Deus. Vai. Vai com Deus. <risos> bye, ladies. Bye, bye, bye. Oh my goodness. So is he just the cutest or what? Oh I, my God. He's you so know, passionate the, about everything. He is so passionate and he feels the same way we do. I so, know. So it's one thing how, you know, we've, we've talked to so many people here who are as just as passionate as we are, but I mean, he really got into it. Like you could just, oh, yeah. you could feel it like, and I know he's, he's out you know, in another part of the country here, but I could feel it here in New England, how much yeah. he felt about it. And it's he's exactly an, that. Oh, yeah. Wow. He's wow. an old soul. So he's, I don't even think he's 40. And really? it's so, yeah. And it's so, what I love is, it was when you see someone young like that, who is really that committed and has that kind of passion and is just such a great example for other youth in the community, right? Because yeah. He really has has done some amazing things, and uh, you know he's he's very well known, and he's done you know he, he when he was working at La Salette he would do um, food demonstrations at the Dia de Portugal festival, and right he's done like custom dinners for for other events and things like that. I, it's just I love seeing good examples for our youth to follow. Yes. It's so important to have those. Yes, yes, absolutely. Oh, so. I, I hope everyone who's listening enjoyed this as much as Angela and I did. That's yeah. for sure. And he's, he's a big teddy bear. When you see him, you're just going to want to give him a big hug. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Love it. No, was this was awesome. awesome. This was an awesome, awesome interview. And I'm so glad we were able to, because I know he's a busy man. So yeah. that he was able to take the time to talk to us that in itself, again, like all of our previous guests who are so busy to take the time to, to do this just means how, um, just goes to show you how great they are, you know? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So Maria, I did want to share one thing with you that has nothing to do with the interview that we just did. Oh my goodness. Uh, what is it? <laughs> so I think I posted a picture on Facebook that I tried your sabalada recipe or, and the poached fish. Yes. Right. Oh my God, Maria. It was so good. Isn't it is a good recipe? I can't even tell you. I've made it three times. Oh. Since there. Because <laughs> it's so, it's so easy. You, you told so me it was easy. easy. And I'm like, no, it's not, nothing's that easy. But it really is. And it's simple. See, the key yeah. thing to making something that's delicious does not need too many things to go overboard. If you use, like he was just saying, like, you know, the, the fresh ingredients, the, mm -hmm. you know, the, the basics of little, just like, you know, the, your onions, your tomatoes, sometimes peppers, depending of what you have also in, you know what I mean? What's in season, right. what you have around you. And then your fresh fish on top of that. I mean, yeah. how great, how great. So how great. I, so I'll, I'll just, cause I actually know the recipe by heart now because <laughs> it's so easy. So I'll just share it with our listeners. It's so easy. So you take, <laughs> Well, I guess it depends on how much you want to make, but take at Correct. least like four onions. I used yep. yellow onion, slice yep. them up and you could just like, you know, you don't have to dice them, just slice them up. Yep. And then I think I used four or five tomatoes. And one time I used the vine ripe tomatoes. And then another yes. time we used Roma tomatoes. Cause that's okay. what I made it for my parents and that's what they had. Um, just chop those up and then. So I, I will tell you, I did Google other recipes just because, like I said, sometimes I like to see, I to compare what people do. And yeah. I can't remember if it was your recipe or another one that said to remove the the seeds from the tomato. Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So remove the seeds from the tomato. 
chop those up like, you know, kind of big chunks, cover a, a large pan, cover the whole pan in olive oil, yeah. throw in the onions and let those caramelize essentially in the oil until they get like really well cooked and brown, I guess. Right. Not super brown, but no, a translucent, uh, a, translucent little bit, yeah. a little bit more than translucent. Yeah. Right. Not, not till like a golden, very golden color. And that, yeah. Yeah, not brown. You don't want to caramelize. You no, know, brown. No, we don't want to burn them. No, 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 no. <laughs> so then, and then, so I put um, the rock salt to taste over the onions, and then I throw in the tomatoes, all the yeah. tomatoes, yeah. and then I, um, I have used both fresh chopped garlic, and then also, you know, you can buy the jars of the minced yes, garlic. Yes, yes, yes. So I've used both. Fresh garlic obviously is always best. Throw in a, a bunch of that. So I, I tend to use like a whole head just because my husband really loves garlic. So I, I used a lot, but I think your recipe calls for, I think, four or five. Yes, because I, yeah. I do I do like garlic too. But yeah. yeah. Um, so throw that in there. And then a cup of white wine. And I used uh, vin verde because that's nice. And then also uh, used... Uh, Chopped up roasted red pepper. Nice. Yeah, and, you can add. You can add all those things in there. Yep. Yeah. And so at my grocery store, so we have um, a Rayleigh's out here and then a Safeway. I hadn't gone out to trade right yet to, to get it. So there was an, a jar of it. It was Italian roasted red pepper in oil. So I used those and I chopped them up. But then I went over to trade right and I actually bought a, a jar of crushed red pepper. So I'll be using that next time. Oh, nice. Yeah. So anyway, so then you cover it. And you just let that puppy simmer. Yep. For like a half <laughs> That's an a hour. That's a good way to say it. <laughs> right? You let it simmer. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I think you even said in your recipe, like, it takes that amount of time for the tomatoes to break down and release the juices. Because you look at it and you think, how is this going to, like, simmer down and create a sauce, right? But it does. It does. does. Mm -hmm. It does. And mm -hmm. then, so after a half an hour, it's all simmered. And I stirred it a couple times. And then you just lay the fish right on top. Maybe sprinkle yep. a little salt on the fish. Yep. Cover it up. And in yep. a few minutes, it's done. And then you serve it and you pour the sablada over the fish. Yes. And Maria, I swear, it's like, I can't, I'm like, I want to have everybody over for dinner now. Because I'm like, <laughs> gotta have this. It's so good. And it's, so, so, and it looks, when you serve it, my mom would do that. That's like a quick, that was a quick uh, fish dish, mm -hmm. especially in the summertime when we had tons of tomatoes. Yeah. And okay. so, okay. so that was always then. And in the wintertime, when we didn't have it, we could buy the, the canned tomatoes. You know what I mean? Right. But in the summertime, it was definitely that we had sabladas a lot more often because of, of all the tomatoes we had at home mm -hmm. in our garden. But it's a fast, quick, and very yeah. healthy. It's so it is healthy. healthy. Yeah. It's so healthy. And you know what I love about that? So I'm, I like onions, but sometimes it's kind of like, sometimes I like them. Sometimes I don't. It kind of depends on how you cook them, you know, yeah. like, or it depends if it's, you know, red onions in a salad versus white onions somewhere else anyway. But the, when it cooks, it cooks so much. They're so tender and sweet. Yes. Like I could just eat a spoonful. Yes. And that's not <laughs> like me to eat a spoonful of onion at all. Let me tell you. So yummy. So then I also read in another recipe that uh, you could serve it over beef. So I made another batch and yeah. we served it over steak and it was really just as good. But I actually think I like the fish better. Yeah. Now but, for breakfast or for a brunch, what? 
Now, let, let me let me tell you this. Let me now let me give you this now. Now instead of doing it with wine, you could use um you know you could do water. You can add water to it, or uh, a chicken broth if you wanted to. Okay. Um, to it, eliminate the wine. Do everything else like you were doing, but eliminate the wine. Or you could add it if you're doing brunch, you know, whatever. Okay. Okay. And because uh, heck, we have mimosas for brunch, sure. so why not have wine in it too? And and instead of laying out like you do your fish, you would open like little little indents in the in in the in the onion and tomato sauce that you've just created. Kind of mm -hmm. make like little indents, and you break an egg <gasps> in those indents. Oh my gosh! And then you're gonna let it cook a little. Still bring it up to you know just let it simmer away a little. Cover that up. Now you're poaching those eggs. Oh my god, that's brilliant. you're gonna poach that is... those eggs. <gasps> oh so my god, that's brilliant. I, my husband and I like it so that when it, I like a, a runny, I like it a little runny when I my eggs. The yolk, the yolk, yes, the yolk, yeah, okay. So, um, so I I do it to the point where it's to that consistency where the white is cooked, but the um the in the yolk itself is still a little runny, and because when you scoop that up. Now you're going to scoop that up and you're going to put that on your plate. Put it on top and of toast you, or something? And you just, oh my God. yes. And then you cut that yolk into it. <gasps> it becomes part of that sauce. And it just makes it so rich. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Yeah, I'm making that tomorrow. I have to make it. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. It is so, because I love eggs. It's one of those foods yes. I just, I love yes. eggs. And, and the, the combination of tomatoes with the eggs and the onions and the garlic and all of that it's just that's something we like that's something we do for our, some weekends oh that is that I, is delicious one my, that's one of my husband's favorites i yeah, guess one of oh, that's favorites. that's that's definitely on the on the the menu for this weekend oh my god <laughs> so and i will, so i'm gonna put a call out to, to our listeners if you make this recipe please take a picture and post it we want to see yes. Yes, yes. I want to see what you've been creating in your kitchen and if you love it as much as we do because yes, oh my gosh. Yes. And the other thing we need to remind our listeners out there to please go on to what is it to iTunes and to SoundCloud? Yep. And leave a review. Review, and, yep. And just let us know what you think of our podcasts. Yeah, and when you leave a review it actually helps other people find our podcast. So we certainly want to reach as many people as we can and again, share our story, share the wonderful cuisine that is Portuguese food and That's right. um and also share the Portuguese experience with as many people as we can. So please leave a review. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And, thank you. This has been and, fun. This, this has, has been, been so fun. It's yeah. always fun. And it's um, always fun. Uh, and there's so many more people that we need to talk to and so many more things we need to talk about. Yeah. Uh, I just, I can't even like, there's the list is just goes on and on and on. <laughs> so many times in our conversation with, with Telmo, they would bring a topic and I'm like, Oh my, that's a whole other podcast. That's a whole, yes. <laughs> that's exactly. a whole other podcast. Exactly. We, we got to write that down and, and have that as a topic. So, yeah. but uh, no, this has been fun. And um, so yeah, everybody, if you haven't subscribed yet, definitely subscribe and get your friends and family to subscribe and, and leave us some comments. Actually, that's one thing we need to start doing. Maria is reading the comments. Oh, um, that's a good folks, idea. Cause we've gotten some really, really nice uh, messages from our listeners. So thank you very, very much for those of you who have sent in a, a message, you know, saying thank you and, and that you like, we do read them. We do read, we do them. read them. We do read them. We try to respond uh, to every single one. 
And, um, and I, but I think that's it. I think we're, that's it. We're done for today. We're done. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And again, do all the things that we've just asked you to do. That would be great. And, and at the próxima. At the próxima. Have a good weekend, Maria. You too, honey. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to our Portuguese Table podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, you can do so on SoundCloud or iTunes. And all episodes can be found on our website at www.ourportuguesetable.com. You can also reach us at feedback at ourportuguesetable.com with comments, questions, or suggestions. Até a próxima! próxima.